Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. 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 Hey guys, what's up? Hey guys, this is Jenks and Sonali, and you're listening to Pass, Pass the Salt. Salt. Welcome back to episode 13. All right, so we're kind of basic bitches today for this episode because we ordered from a fast food restaurant. That's what we're having tonight. We ordered from the, the fast food let restaurant. Me, let me backtrack. We've ordered from the OG best fast food restaurant you can ever go to. Say it with me, Jenks. Say it with me, Taco Bell. <laughs> I fucking can't with you. You are so. You look so confused. I'm gonna choke. Okay. Did I stuff that all over? Why did I think you were gonna? You were gonna count me down. So we saw Taco Bell recently came out with their Cantina Crispy Melt taco and we were like hell yeah we need to jump on that also they're gluten-free because they're made out of corn tortilla or corn taco shells Mm -hmm. so i'm all about that shit (laughs) and uh, we got the black bean version so we're just gonna fucking dig in all right let's see i'll be honest though i did add extra nacho cheese in my shit because why not that was pretty good it was good, but, like, I don't think it's anything spectacular, you know? It's just yeah. like a basic taco. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, doesn't really, like, impress me too much. Son and I tried their um, mini chicken tacos. No, it was, like, their fry. It was their crispy, like, crispy chicken ta- um, sandwiches. Oh, they literally, those they were so good. They were called crispy ca- sandwiches, I'm pretty sure. Those and were so good. Those were a treat, for sure. But they're gone. They were only around for, like, a limited time. So I hope they bring them back because yeah. I love those. They're so much better than this. Yeah. This was this kind of basic. Yeah. I mean, this does. I feel like this is more on the Taco Bell theme, like what Taco Bell is known to bring out. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. It's not too impressive because it's nothing new to me. Like, I feel like this is like exactly what you would like, expect from Taco Bell. Or like for a, from a taco from Taco Bell. You yeah. Know? Like this yeah. isn't anything special. It's definitely not worth three bucks. Yeah, that's true. Um, so, yeah. I mean, Taco Bell's Taco Bell still tastes good. But... I'll still eat it, though. <laughs> I'll still order again. Maybe not this, this, but I will definitely order again from Taco yeah. Bell. Yeah, we'll probably next week. <laughs> I think it's important to note that Jenks is no longer part of this show. She drank all the goddamn coffee, so I murdered her. Listen. Hey. Bitch, I'm back. Holy Spirit, activate. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the intro is right on theme this week. Mm-hmm. That Holy Spirit, activate thing that's going around on tiktok literally fell on our lap right at the right time because today we're talking about a religious cult but it's like crazy because it's like religion mixed with diet culture like hello that's fucking random yeah (laughs) but somehow it happened the perfect recipe for disaster so this motherfucking bitch gwen shamlin do you guys know who that is because if you don't HBO came out with a documentary. It's called The Way Down, and it takes a look at the Remnant Fellowship Church that is run or was run by Miss Gwen Shamblin Lara, who I will say was in past tense because she actually recently passed away. And, and we're going to get into We're going to get all that. into that. But the reason why we're talking about this today is because when we hear about cults and stuff and the whole like 
cult craze that happened in decades ago. We heard about so many different cults that came around then and we're just kind of like, oh yeah, it was just a time. Like, it was a crazy time. Yeah, you don't think that there's like cults nowadays. Yeah, and this fucking cult is like current. It's still around. Yeah, you can still fucking join this cult, y'all. Don't do it, but... Their teachings are all still relevant. Yeah. Um... It really has, it's definitely a cult, but it hasn't, that no one, like, from the cult has openly said, yes, we're a cult. <laughs> Just every, anyone that's an ex-member or... Well, I guess, like, no one really ever stands up and is like, I'm a part of a cult. You know? Yeah, until they leave. I don't think anyone realizes they're in a cult until, like, the shit hits the fan and then they're like, fuck, this was wrong. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um... And today, since it's all about diet culture and we're going to give them a big F you to Gwen Shamlin, I recommend everyone take a second, pause this episode, order yourself your favorite fucking fast food, get a shit ton of it, and throw a little extra for us, and wait till your Postmates comes at the door, and then press play, and eat and enjoy this meal that you ordered for yourself. And help us say Fuck, Fuck you, Gwen, to Gwen Shamlin. Shamlin. Because buckle up, bitches. It's about to get real crazy. It's about to get real fucking good. So yeah. who was Gwen Shamlin? Basically, she was an American author, founder of a Christian diet program called The Way Down Workshop, and she was a founder of the Remnant Fellowship Church. And this bitch has the craziest hair, guys. Like, <laughs> take a second and Google her name. Like, okay, do you guys remember, like, in the early, like, early 2010s when teasing your hair was like the coolest thing to do this bitch did it but on crack (laughs) like her hair was a tower and it just got bigger and bigger that shit is like a growing skyscraper literally literally her hair is so big it's full of secrets (laughs) (laughs) which is so fucking relevant so relevant (laughs) the church itself has made a lot of headlines recently, um, and this all happened like I want to say in two thousand like three, but um, a child actually died because of the teachings of Gwen Shamblin, which is what really sparked um, a lot of the documentary and controversies that did follow because uh, it all came to light that you know something really fishy is happening in this fucking this fellowship church and that led to the death of this child that really yeah and it did and it's really it's really tragic and it's crazy to think that in today's day and age people like believe these crazy outrageous beliefs but we're also going to take a little deep dive into cults in general and try because you know it's when you hear things like this it's honestly so unbelievable and you're you I mean, I had this thought. I'm sure you had this thought, Jenks. But I was like, how the fuck do people get wrapped up yeah. into this? Like, how the heck do you... And it's like one thing to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to check this out and maybe like see where it goes. But like, how the hell do you get so in it so deep to where you're doing wrong things and you're not noticing the red flags, you know? And that's really where we kind of were like, okay, we should talk about this because I don't think it's talked about a lot and you know we're gonna like talk what about leads to yeah so we are gonna definitely go over like what happened in this cult specifically but we also took a deep dive into like the psychology of cults and how they function and how people get so wrapped up in this and it's so hard for them to leave so you know it's a pretty interesting episode and uh i'm really excited to tell you guys all about it yeah Buckle up, bitches. Buckle up, bitches. I hope your Taco Bell is here because we're jumping right in. Right in.
Gwen Chamlin graduated with her undergraduate degree in dietetics from the University of Tennessee, and then she went and got her master's in food and nutrition from Memphis State University. She then registered, she was a, a then a registered dietitian consultant and a faculty member at Memphis State for five years, and then she moved on to work at Tennessee Department of Health for five years. So with all of this, in 1980, she began a weight consulting practice because throughout college, what sparked her to start this practice was that she struggled with her weight throughout college. Well, and I also read that her dad was a doctor and that also was what like pushed her to go into the health industry. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so she basically, in this weight consulting practice, she counseled that genetics, metabolism, and behavior modification did not explain why some people were thin and other were overweight, which is absolutely ab-fucking-sir. Whatever fucking college she went to should um, basically refund her money. And this was basically a foundation for her book. So to it... So in her search to figure all this out, she ends up creating um, a program tied in with the church. So in 1986, she founded the Way Down Workshop, which is basically a weight loss program with no food restrictions, no exercise regimens, or calorie counting, but more about praying the pounds away. And the reason why this, like, was so popular around that time was A, you know, this is the 1980s. This is when you're like pe- women were so conscious about being thin. Like, exactly. think about it. The models were sticks, thinny, skinny. Mm-hmm. Everybody that was like idealized as beautiful was super thin. Everything about beauty was about being, you know, small. And her tagline was literally, I kid you not, guys. Like, this is a quote. Pray yourself thin. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Oh my God. And she, and those teachings from, you know, the Way Down program literally preached that thinness equated holiness and to only eat when you feel hungry. So basically she's just taking portion control and flipping it and making it into this like beautiful philosophy that God (laughs) is telling you to eat and be thin and you're fat if you're not following God and his way. But it's like, bitch. Hold on. That's called portion control. Literally look it up. Literally. And (laughs) it took this... People believed her so fast that by 1994, her and her husband had offered this program in Europe, 600 churches, and in 35 U.S. states. And then it just kept growing and growing and growing. And by August 1998... She had hosted more than 21,000 classes, had more than 250 participants, and all these classes were now being hosted in internationally. Gwen Chamlin's look played in to people trusting her and how she grew her program so fast because she was a small, petite, white woman with crazy hair like Sonali mentioned. And she had a very inviting Southern accent and it seemed like she always had all the answers. She was always telling people, I can help you with your faith and I can help you lose weight. So vulnerable people who had, who were lost in their own faith or struggled with their health looked to her for answers. And with all of that, she created a following and with the following led to the creation of the Remnant Fellowship Church. Yes, and the 
church wasn't something that, you know, kind of like she didn't wake up in the middle of the night and mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to start my own church. Yeah. Like there's a reason why it got to the point that it did. But I think it's really important to kind of backtrack and take a look at where she was raised and how that affected who she became in her adult life. So uh, Gwen Shamblin is a Tennessee native. She, like like we said before, her dad was a doctor and they were, uh, they were a part of a very religious household. Um, they followed the Church of Christ, which is an ultra conservative form of protest, protest, I knew I wasn't gonna be able to say it. They followed the Church of Christ, which is an ultra conservative form of Protestantism, which obviously we all know has extremely strict rules um and they practice the new testament up version of the bible this is this is what really was like mm, okay i'm getting the culty vibes already is because the church of christ i didn't know this <laughs> but the church of christ is each church is independent from another so church of christ in los angeles it has different rules oh. than the Church of Christ from Tennessee that Gwen Shamblin was part of. They made their own rules and guidelines. Interesting. So already I was getting red flags like, okay, this bitch was part of a cult since the beginning because mm-hmm. it sounded very culty. And, you know, my spidey senses weren't um, for no reason because I guess the Church of Christ itself has had a lot of uh, comparisons to a cult in just history and, you know, oh, critics really? in general. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. But they've always denied it. <clears throat> Sounds like a common theme. <laughs> yeah. One of the rules at her church was that women were not allowed to speak or preach. What? Yeah. Um, another one was that women were not allowed to be leaders of the church. Music was not allowed in her church. Like, <gasps> what the fuck? Like, can you imagine going to church and not, like, singing gospel or having a choir? Or no. Any- like, I feel like that's, like some of the best parts it's literally a huge part of it Kanye West's entire like two <laughs> two the past two years his music career is solely based on that yeah imagine going and it's like literally just like I mean I guess I'm saying imagine but like it's not like I'm sure it's probably normal for some people but we're like yeah. oh my god you know yeah but um yeah, so the music was not allowed in that church, and they didn't follow any of the traditional uh, views and um, practices of Christianity. So it was a whole different. Yeah, so it basically world. was like a cult. It was, yeah. Okay. Um, and her religion played a huge role on her childhood and exposed her to a lot of outdated views for women, specifically. And um, when we get into the you know teachings of Gwen Shamblin in the Fellowship Remnant Church, you'll see how backwards a lot of the values are, yeah. and those come from how she was raised and grown up like that's how that's what she was taught and so she was just reiterating that with her own views um when she created her own church yeah. so so she had like a trickle down effect ba- to basically leading this church yeah and that and that's why you know i feel like the ideology of tying religion into looking thin and skinny because I'm sure that's what was like hammered into her mind as a child mm-hmm. was like, oh, like women need to look beautiful. Women need to be like cute for their husbands and stuff. And when she started losing or getting gaining weight, I'm sure she was getting a lot of backlash from her family and close friends, yeah. you know, like I'm sure it wasn't like I'm sure it was like spoken about like hush hush and they were just like, hey, you kind of gained a couple pounds. Like, yeah, I'm sure like it wasn't. It was very open, like, they talked about it, you know, and 
maybe that that was how, what she did as a way of being like I should lose weight, you know. But I, I don't think she realized that it's not like God coming in and <laughs> telling you this is the right way. It's like, bitch, you were just portion controlling. God comes in and says, "You prayed a lot. Let me take these fucking pounds away from you. <laughs> you you have been a good girl. You have been a good girl. Pounds be gone. You are saved. Ugh. But." <laughs> You know, and I think that kind of gives you a little understanding of how, like, this culty behavior even started. Or even this, like, crazy, outrageous belief that, like, praying makes you skinny. Because I'm sure, like, in her mind, that's really what happened. I don't think she... I mean, just from what I've experienced, or not experienced, but, like, research, I genuinely don't think she thought, oh, I'm just going to take this and flip it into... A religious philosophy I think she genuinely thought yeah that she was like maybe I can help people because yeah. this works for me yeah yeah so in 1999 her and her first husband David Shamlin start this remnant fellowship church in Brentwood Tennessee um and like San mentioned they split off from the Church of Christ to create this um and in this church she basically urged members to only eat when their stomach growled and pray to God when you feel hungry other times. Bitch, what? And if you know anything about biology, honey, cravings aren't around all the time. It's just like a short period. And so is hunger. Like, yeah. hunger is a sensation that you feel for a short period. But if you don't cave into it, it goes away. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, because this was like so popular and then she ended up starting her own fucking church, she began to get more television appearances. So she began to get more exposure and she started, this was the start of her negative, her getting negative criticism about essentially promoting unhealthy eating habits. And then shit gets fucking weird. In 2018, she divorces her first husband, David, who she originally started the church with, which, because David was basically bad for her brand because he was overweight. Yeah, and something to really... um understand about the teachings of Gwen Shamblin was that it wasn't just about being skinny it was about looking good and it was about you know for women specifically it was about being a good wife and taking care of your husband and also looking really attractive and same thing with the men like they were supposed to look really handsome they were supposed to be clean cut put together you know it was image was everything image was everything and she literally was quoted this is her philosophy you don't glorify God if you don't make the church look good, if you're overweight, or if your children are not obedient. So the teachings itself were about being physically attractive. Mm-hmm. And, and obedient. And yet obedience is a huge thing. It was all about outer image and how you portrayed yourself mm-hmm. into the outer world. And... Um, you know, and that I, I, I can understand how this became so popular back at the time because right now it sounds so crazy because we're in day, living in a day and age where it's all about individualism, it's all about body acceptance, it's all mm-hmm. about, you know, in, feeling good inside and not really caring about what you look like outside. But back then, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, we have to remember that this is in the 1980s. Like, things were a little backwards back then. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, and from one thing I should mention is that because David had issues with his weight and she essentially divorced him for that, um, her and David also had two children, 
Michael and Elizabeth and the same thing kind of happened with Michael because Michael suffered with addiction issues so he would always gain and lose weight and he was basically pushed out of the church but Elizabeth and her husband and two children always appeared in church videos. Yeah and uh, women were told to be completely obedient to their husbands and the church leaders and like all the church leaders were men let's let's kind of put that out there but all the church leaders had to respond to Gwen, who was a woman. <laughs> yeah, so fucking... So ha- there were so many double uh, standards in her teachings. Like, things that she preached to women, she didn't follow. Yeah, and the another double standard was divorce, which she did. Yeah, in and- her teachings, she would not... T- she would tell women that were coming into her church. I mean, in the documentary, there's women that talk about how their husbands were cheating on them and they knew and she would tell them, no, like stay with them. This is God's way. You're not allowed to get a divorce. And so forcing these women to be in these dead marriages, getting absolute no fulfillment, but then being told to continue serving this cheater of a husband and look the other way and not being allowed to divorce. like, And then you go turn around and do it the next day. So fucking... Let that sink in, bitches. No. So she ends up divorcing David and marries an out-of-work actor and a struggling country music star by the name of Joe fucking Lara. Struggling (laughs) is in bold. Struggling. And underlined. This man was a scrub. Literally, scrubby dub dub. Like, (laughs) oh my god, I can't. And so they had a huge wedding in front of the congregation and everyone in the church fell in love with their story. Even completely disregarding the fact that she went against her own teachings. Exactly. Which, she went against God's <laughs> will, Janky. Oh my God, pray for her soul, man. Pray I pray for her soul. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. God bless. Oh my God, I can't take you seriously. <laughs> Then began the allegations that the church shunned and harassed members that wanted to leave. Which is a very common thing in cults. Ex-members of the church came out of the church and basically said that it functioned as a cult rather than a traditional religious institution. Um, They said it was less a place of worship but more of an all-encompassing power that took over every aspect of their lives. And, you know, these people, like, okay, I don't know how a lot of churches work. I grew up Hindu. Mm -hmm. I have gone to temples. I don't remember there being a fee to come join a temple or attend it. And You know, you can donate money for sure, but... I mean, I don't, but this church, you had to pay money to, you know, join the program or take the way down program. And then they also made a lot of money off of like merchandising and all this other shit of like her specifically, like her business and her brand was being like, and then they, they talked about how they needed to purchase textbooks, purchase yeah. like all the all the materials for her teachings, all this crazy shit. And all that revenue went into whose motherfucking pocket? And that's kind of another red flag that was coming up for people was that, oh, why was I spending so much money to be part of this religion? Yeah, totally. It's not a fucking school program. Yeah. And religion doesn't tell you to control religion doesn't try to control every aspect of your life so people in this church were told how to um where to work how they dressed who they wanted to marry obviously their body image like it which is crazy to me because um i also saw this thing about her hair (laughs) 
And it was like her hair is so big that it had speculations. There were speculations that it got bigger due to wigs. <laughs> what? Um. Yeah. So they were saying that they, like, she ended up wearing wigs because of the Way Down program that she was on. Because of the poor nutrition, she had hair loss. <gasps> oh my gosh. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Ooh. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Um. So this basically began like the start of her downfall and all the controversies that followed. Oh, and honey, they were a lot. A lot. Yeah. The first one was when Gwen motherfucking Shamlin Lara came out and rejected the Holy Trinity. And as a result of that, Christian publishers canceled her books. People started, like, churches started removing her weight loss program. And which was a huge, huge fucking thing. And um, people started actually noticing, like, oh, this is a little fucking fishy. This is a little weird. A lot more came out after that. And the gist of it is that people, basically people who couldn't lose weight were marginalized by the church community. And she, there's actually an interview that she does with CNN's Larry King where she literally references the Holocaust as a way to validate her teachings. Stop. I'm not even kidding. Like, let that sink in. I'm going to read you guys a quote, okay? And I quote, How in the Holocaust did you have all these people getting down real skinny? They ate less food. Um, Gwen, that was called starvation. Um, child, what And the that fuck? wasn't even their will. They weren't oh even doing God. it because they wanted to. They were they being were... forced. Oh this woman. This... I want to take her head and fucking, what the fuck is going on? You know what? Shake I think it's the shit. lack of nutrients that she was eating that <laughs> Dead ass. made her an idiot. Deadass. Okay, so in that same interview with Larry King, he actually questioned like, how much money she makes off of her church. Mm-hmm. Larry so, King doing God's work. Larry, literally. Um, so in the same interview, Gwen goes on record and says that half the proceeds from her church went to the government and then the other half went into keeping her operations running so she could help more people. But she lived a very lavish lifestyle. Um, she drove really nice cars. She had a big ass house. They literally had like a private plane, which we'll reference later. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then at the time of her death, she had a net worth of between one to five million dollars. Oh, so my God. After the Larry King interview that came out, you know, years happened, blah, blah, blah. And then in 2001, another news news channel five questioned the claim that she made in that Larry King interview. And they were like, OK, so half and half leaves nothing for Gwen Shamblin. That's not completely true, is it? And she goes, oh, yeah, it's completely true. So she's literally saying that she doesn't pocket any of the cash that goes, that, like, people pay to go to their church. But it literally doesn't explain why she has so much money. Yeah. Oh, my God. So that was, like, another controversy that was going around about the church and people. That's why people were saying it was very culty. But then she was, like, denying it and saying that it was not... It was supposed to be like nonprofit and all this stuff, you know? So yeah. it was very controversial there. Um, there were also lawsuits from previous employees that demanded that, that said that she demanded her employees believe the same beliefs that she did. And so if they didn't, like they would not be able to work with her, which is very, I think that's against the law. Yeah. 
Um, and then there were rumors that former members came out and mentioned that, you know, in the church, she was viewed as a prophet. And um, for people who don't know what a prophet is, it is someone who believes to be in contact with God or a higher power and that that higher power speaks to them and asks them to, like, relay messages and, you know, give their teachings out to people. And in, in 2003, News Channel 5 again interviewed her and asked her if she is a prophet to which she didn't deny so she literally thought like she was like a higher being which is a very common thing in cult leaders and she would like also be like god like god gave me this gift to give to the world like god wants me to do this like bitch god don't want you to do nothing you ain't no prophet you're not a prophet honey you're just an idiot who doesn't eat that's it (laughs) And, so and tells how, other people not to eat. Yeah. Members were also told um, to discipline their kids by basically abusing them. They were told to hit them um, with like glue sticks on the back of their thigh and locking them in a room with a Bible and shit like that. Like it was absurd. There's literally a quote where she is saying, this is in her teachings. Like this is how, what they would teach the children that grew up in the church. And I quote, The way you show God that you are answering to him is through obeying your mother and father on the first time. If you do it on the second time or the third time, or if you're slow to obey, you are being your own God and nobody playing around like that ever goes to heaven. She was hammering this into children's minds. Children, innocent, small, small fucking people. It's not even that. It's like. These these children are a clean slate mm-hmm. and you're hammering this type of information. Like imagine the amount of trauma that these children grew up with, not just from the abuse, but just from the brainwashing that they experienced from her teachings. Yeah. So crazy. So in 2003, one couple by the name of Joseph and Sonia Smith ended up taking it too far when their son, Joseph... Um, who was eight years old, was misbehaving. And they locked him in a wicker box for hours. And he basically died in that. Because what they did was they um, locked him in a wicker box with bungee cords. And when they were putting him in there, they slammed the lid, which caused blunt force trauma to the head. And he died of suffocation. Yeah, because there was no, like, there were no holes. Like, there was no oxygen coming in. And, you know, in in News Channel 5, again, doing their fucking work, doing God's work right there, (laughs) News Channel 5, um, they actually questioned her and they literally asked, are your teachings encouraging parents to lock their children up for lengthy periods of time? And she denied it, right? Of course. But, God bless, News Channel 5 obtains a recording where Gwen Shamblin is literally praising the mother of that child Mm -hmm. for doing exactly that. And I quote, that's a miracle. You've got a child that's going from just bizarre down to in control. So I praise God. Wow. And I think I remember that quote because um, it was Sonia telling Gwen over the phone about how they locked Joseph in a room with just a Bible, no food, no water, mm-hmm. from Friday to Monday, mm-hmm. and it, there was a dramatic difference in his behavior. Like, no shit, bitch, he's malnourished. Yeah, and not even that, like, 
it's a child, it's a little kid, and you're asserting such extreme dominance over them where you're denying them their basic rights of just eating and, like, having, like, exposure to other people. Like, you're literally cornering them and locking them in there like a fucking animal. Literally. Like, of course this child's going to be traumatized, scared, obedient, because they don't want to experience that same type of abuse again. Like, they're surrendering to their abuser. Yeah. It's crazy. Ugh. Um, so when his body was found, um, there were bu- bruises all over his body and those markings matched, um, the glue stick on the back of his thigh, like the glue stick hitting the back of his thigh. So it basically confirmed that he was like fully fucking abused. In March of 2007, Sonia and Joseph Smith ended up being sentenced to life in prison. I should also fucking mention that the Remnant Church funded their entire legal defense. And they they backed them up the entire time. Like, they were 100% had their back. They never even, like, they never showed any remorse for the fact that this poor child passed away because of their teachings. There was no remorse. On May 29th, there was a plane crash into Percy Priest Lake, which was Gwen and Shamlin's plane. And um, on board was Gwen, Joe Lara, her second husband, Gwen's son-in-law, and four other members of the Remnant Fellowship Church, and they were all killed. And Joe, Mr. fucking Scrubby Dubby, was flying the plane. Like, bitch. Holy Spirit, activate. Holy Spirit, activate. 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 No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to say something really outrageous. What? (laughs) So unlike you. But I had this thought, and I'm sure anyone else may have had this thought so i'm just gonna say it do you think that this was the god's work like i genuinely had that thought like is this karma probably i mean she did reject the holy trinity <gasps> that's true so who knows i would not be surprised um but and yeah. then do you know why the plane crashed because i i genuinely was curious like was it a f- something wrong with the plane or was it because that man did not said, know how to fly a plane they said that right before it like crashed into the lake the tower that gets all like the plane signals had gotten engine failure signal from that plane oh. yeah but no one on that aircraft was um authorized to pilot that specific plane yeah there was one person that had their like um pilot license but he didn't know how to fly that plane wasn't it was her husband no, this was somebody else on the oh. plane. Yeah, but her husband didn't know how to fucking fly. Yeah, fly her husband either. was flying the plane, dude. Her scrubby ass husband that is oh. a failed country singer was flying the plane. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, her daughter ended up taking over the church and told this day, right now in twenty October of 2021, she still runs this fucking church in Brooklyn, okay, Tennessee. But now this is like my conspiracy theorist brain coming in. Do you think this was a hit? Like, do you think someone literally was like, let's tamper with the engine on this plane because they're going to take this this specific plane to wherever they're going so we can kill them? Maybe. I can see that. But you know what I can also see? She was getting so much backlash and so much controversy that they might... What if they faked their death? No. She's too narcissistic. That's true. Too narcissistic. That's true. But the Remnant Fellowship Church is still around till this day. Teachings are still going. Like Jinx said, her daughter is now the new leader. But 
you know, it's it's just crazy. Like, there's still people following this church, regardless of all the stuff that came out of the documentary. Remnant Fellowship Church actually denied all the claims that were made on the documentary about, like, the abuse and the um, controversies about her teachings, all that bullshit. But they are doing a part two of the documentary that's yes. coming out in springtime of next year, which is going to talk more about, I guess, like, after, you know, her passing a lot more members came forward to share their stories. So this next documentary, or part two of this documentary, is going to talk more about the the people that came forward and what they said. Yeah. They ended this one at a to-be-continued once yeah. as soon as she died. Yeah, so you guys got time if you want to catch up. Yeah. Um, but... You know, after we watched this, it definitely, you know, sparked a lot of questions for myself. And I just wanted to take a deep dive and understand, like, how the fuck do cults even work? How the fuck do these become a thing? Why do people stay in them? You know, all these, like, questions I was asking because after you guys have heard this, aren't you guys thinking the same thing? Like, how do you get into the shit in the first place? Not even that, but, like, how the fuck did someone continue to like how did somebody coerce a group a giant number of people to abuse their children and think that they're doing it for god you know like things like this it's like i need to understand the psychology of this because it's it's so so, absurd hearing it right now it's so absurd but one thing to note about cults is that no one just joins a cult like you don't wake up and you're like i'm gonna go join i'm gonna go join scientology yeah like no one thinks that but what defines a cult every cult has an authoritarian leader so it there's always it's always headed by a person or a group of people with complete control over their followers a cult's Influence is designed to disrupt someone's identity and replace it with another. And there can be cults in not just religion, but in a lot of different aspects of life, including politics, self-help. I mean, we saw that with Nixium, self-help. It, you can also um, join a cult from being in a multi-level marketing. What? We've all heard about those multi-level marketing. Pyramid schemes? Yeah. Mm. Like those can be characters. Some of them have been characterized as cults. You can, there can be like commercial cults, uh, labor or sex trafficking cults, and I mean, of course, religion. And I think it's also important to note that not all cults are specifically bad. You know, like there are cults that, you know, aren't doing anything wrong, but they're just a cult. (laughs) Like what? AKA um, The Bachelor. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But... Um, there's two types of influences when it when it comes down to cults. There's a thing called do influence and undo influence. Do influence allows you to keep your individuality. You can make your own decisions. You have free will. That's what do influence is. Undo influence is the type of influence you hear about when you hear about cults that are mainstream media. Um, and that's when they're more deceptive, manipulative. You're not allowed to question things in, you know, inside the cult. You're not allowed to make your own decisions. Is it more like this is just the way it is? Yeah, it's it's literally the mainstream cults, like what we hear. Mm, you know, okay. we don't hear about like the the non crazy cults the do cults the do influence cults we hear about the undo influence cults so that when you're thinking about a cult you're thinking about an undo influence um where your inner voice is suppressed and they do things like isolate you they use control fear and coercion and manipulation to fear and guilt you into staying that makes me wonder okay so now we know how quote cults work or you know 
the definition the definition yeah. of a cult but how do people get wrapped up into a cult and it made me question like who is more likely to be in a cult right but the thing is that there really isn't a specific personality like if you look into any former cult members they come from all different backgrounds all different tax brackets mm-hmm. all different ethnicities walks of life like there's no one specific personality or characteristic that makes you um, join a cult but the one thing that is a common denominator is that the people that have joined cults have all had low self-esteem so they feed off of people's vulnerabilities so there's three different types of people that like researchers and therapists and sociologists all have identified as more likely to be a victim of a cult. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, one of those three are people that are trying are, are in a position in their life where they're trying to better themselves in one way or another. You know, cults market themselves as a group of or groups or organizations that promote self-betterment. They feed off of people's vulnerabilities. And a lot of times when you, you know, look at former members, they're all, they all were looking for something to help themselves feel better, you know. Yeah, and they were somehow improving their life. And in this case, there was women that wanted to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she appealed to that audience. Um, and a lot of times it's people who are lonely because they're longing for human connection and mm-hmm. a huge part of a cult is community because it creates that pack-minded mentality that leaders of cults will use to peer pressure people into doing things that they need you to do Ugh, staying in manipulation the at its finest yeah. dude um but yeah vulnerability is a huge factor and that's what goes back into like the low self-esteem is like when you're low you have low self-esteem you're more vulnerable you're more easily manipulated because you feel like you're lacking something inside and you're looking for it outside yeah and um that plays a huge factor but it's also about timing because of course desperate times call for desperate measures when you're at the worst or the lowest place in your life you'll do things and i'm sure we all can look back and think like oh yeah like when i was in the worst place in my life yeah. i was like hanging around the wrong people or yeah. you know it's like, like you're, when you hit rock bottom you do some questionable fucking thing yeah and cult therapist rachel bernstein claims that most of her patients said that they wouldn't have even joined a cult if they weren't going through a difficult time when they were approached with wow. it and according to bernstein the most vulnerable are people who are recently diagnosed with terminal or chronic illnesses, living on their own for the first time, people experiencing a loss, whether it's like um, an end of a marriage or like a loss of like a family member or a friend, someone they cared about, um, or having like a really serious career downfall. Oh, so All like things huge, that really like life-changing events. Exactly, a hundred percent. And Colts provide an illusion of comfort and it's it's in our human nature to desire comfort during times of like distress it's like finding a safe haven and you know again feeding off of people's vulnerabilities i mean you'll often hear the term like family when you hear about cults charles manson's cult like they literally call themselves the family and things like that so they they use like these types of terms to you know, make people feel like they're welcome, that they're wanted, that they have a, like a place to call yeah. home. And it, it also appeals to people that have crazy beliefs like QAnon. That's a cult, even though it's virtual and it's very secretive. It's still a cult. And it's people with these extremist views 
finally being like, wow, I have a community of people who believe the same thing I do, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that is like also a huge, huge factor that goes into it. And the thing is, cult leaders make promises to offer things that are totally unattainable. Things that like no other group or organization offers financial security, total health, <sighs> constant peace of mind, eternal life. Oh my you know, god. Things that like humans desire on an extreme deep level. And Dr. Adrian Furman describes on Psychology Today that humans crave clarity and cults tend to provide answers to things that um, everyday life fails to provide. So when you mentioned Jenks about how women were so you know drawn to her because she was giving them answers to their weight loss and shit like that you know that's exactly what he's referring to because her she's giving a simple answer to a problem that is so complex that like we know now today that weight loss isn't as simple no there's things like metabolism there's things like genetics things that go into it that make it difficult for some people to lose weight but she made it very cut dry simple like just pray to God, eat when you're hungry, and pray when you're not. And I swear to you, ladies, you will lose 50 pounds. Yeah, there's no body types. There's no, no differences in people. And a lot of times, if you look at cult leaders, they have very simple views. So Black simple. and white. Yeah. Black and white. It's not like this complex thing. There's a lot of love bombing that goes into um, getting new recruits, like flattery, compliments, seduction. And they use flattery and all these like love bombing techniques to train the brain to associate love with with acceptance yeah but a lot of times love bombing as it is doesn't last and then you know the real truth comes out so now that we know how like cults work and you know the 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 techniques that they use to draw people in let's talk about cult leaders for a little bit what are the common denominators in all of them i know we know people are complex but there are some similarities between different cult leaders from different cults whether they're religious or they're not one thing that's very common within cult leaders as is that they reject scrutiny they don't like to be examined they don't like when people shine a light on what they're doing they want to keep everything far away from them they also like to be always right aka most cult leaders in history all have been diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder (laughs) i am not fucking surprised and you know what? And this is really interesting um, that I actually read that extroverts, being an extrovert is a very big uh, commonality within cult leaders. I mean, if you think about it, all cult leaders have a sense of charisma in them. Yes. They're able to really, they draw people in. They're with, inviting with their words yes. and their presence and their aura and they're very charismatic. It's actually funny because they say, <laughs> this is nothing to do with like cult leaders in general, but this is just something I thought was really funny is that they say like, there's a certain level of narcissism in extroverts. So that's why extroverts is like a common theme in all <laughs> cult leaders. I mean, I can, I believe that. You have to have some type of like narcissism in order to be like confident. You know what I mean? And extroverts for the, for the most part are confident enough to like speak. And they say that experts conclude that cult leaders are almost always charismatic, authoritarian, and they lack empathy. And they use this term called pseudo charisma because they are trying to show, they're trying to project this image of like, oh, we're here to help you. We're here for you. But it's always self-serving. So outerly, they're being like, 
it's all about you. I'm here to make your life better. But yeah. internally, they're really just using that as a way of getting what they want yeah. all along. I mean, taking it back to Gwen Shamlin, that's just as simple as being like, I can help you lose weight if you purchase my fucking book in my program. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> Eventually, Gwen Shamlin's teachings went from being about, you know, losing weight and God to being all about obedience and abuse. And that was literally their teachings. And so why did people stay? You know, why did people continue being in the cult? Yeah. In the documentary, I don't remember the lady's name, but there was a woman in there that was a huge member and she was so involved, so in it, so deep. But then she, when she found out that they were encouraging you to hit your child, she was like, I'm not doing that. But she didn't leave. Yeah. She didn't think like, I can't be a part of this. This is wrong. She stayed, Mm -hmm. you know? And so like, why is it hard to leave? Why do you think, Jinx? Honestly, I feel like it's more of like a psychological thing. Like it has to be the fact that that... They hold on to how good they felt when they first joined the cult that they can't let go of that. They're like, this thing made pulled me out of such a hard time. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way, like, I can leave this. It's what I need. They don't realize it's doing more damage. Yeah, right? and I think, I mean, I definitely can see that being a factor for sure. Yeah. We all know cults have a tendency to isolate you from who you are. I mentioned it earlier that... Um, a cult has a tendency to take your identity and replace it with another Mm -hmm. and a lot of people did that I mean it's especially when it comes to religion like you leave any religion or anything past behind and now you're all about these teaching these values you know they don't know anything but that new belief exactly so you form your whole identity on these morals and beliefs that are being hammered into your mind you're creating a community of people of friendships a family quote-unquote a family (laughs) that it's like and and we hear about this in scientology is like if you leave you you don't get any of that you don't get to talk to these people you don't get to have those connections you don't get to you know be the same person you were like you have to, and i think that's really scary for people to be like oh if i leave i'm i don't know who i am anymore yeah i'm I have back to, in the same place i have to start over not even that but it's like you lose that identity like you are nobody at that point and now like think about it like it's easy for someone in their late or early 20s to do that because we're in this growing phase but like a woman in her 40s mm-hmm. having to start all over no friends no community no religion you know being shunned is cut it's all and and then you know for these people to find out like you know they're living with a veil over their eyes right and then for them to for the veil to be removed and then for to be realizing that oh shit like this really wasn't what i thought it was this wasn't helping me this wasn't a religion this was just me putting money in another person's pockets yeah imagine like how your world would feel like it's crumbling because now you're like I don't even know what's real anymore. Yeah. I thought it was this, but it's not. Like, it's just so much I like... I can't even imagine, like, how self-deprecating that would feel. A hundred percent. And um, another thing that makes it even worse is that cults will use tactics. It's a cycle of mind control, gaslighting, and manipulation, those three, oh. that cults will use as a way of keeping you from leaving. So... Scientology has a tendency of using your secrets and your family and your friends as a way of trying to control you and keeping you in their cult. They will literally 
literally threatened you with like releasing your secrets or calling wow. your boss and you know they use things like that so it's literally I had no idea yeah Scientology is crazy they also like will use a lot of emotional manipulation mm-hmm. as a way of trying to get you to stay so it's really unfortunate but a lot of people that leave cults end up having a lot of um, psychological abuse and serious emotional trauma because of the amount of control and manipulation that they went through and all the brainwashing what a lasting effect. It's crazy. It's wild. It's wild to think how complex the human mind is that like one person can literally reframe your entire sense of reality. Yeah. That's that's crazy to think. Mm-hmm. Like you can be at your most vulnerable state and someone can take advantage of that. Cult leaders, since they're so charismatic, they will use their people skills like their the way that they know how to like draw people in they're mm-hmm. very calculated all of them mm-hmm. so they use those people's skills and they really get to know that person but then they use that as a way to control them so it's like yeah you could think you're forming a relationship with this person but really this person is just really observing you and trying to figure out what yeah. makes you tick and what your weaknesses are so they can then use that and their own benefit later in the road that's mind-blowing yeah oh god this shit makes me angry dude like it's crazy People really take advantage of others. Oh, I mean, come on, Jinx. This isn't a beautiful world we live in. That's true. <laughs> That's true. It's a cold, cold world. <laughs> it's not rainbows and butterflies out here. I Why else do you think I want the aliens to take me away? <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I checked out a while ago. <laughs> but, yeah, so crazy to think that you know cults are a lot more common than we we assume you only hear about the big ones on the media but they're everywhere i mean they can be literally anything and that's the that's the sad part is that it's it just shows a lot about you know human nature itself is that we desire like a sense of purpose and community so mm-hmm. deeply that it's easy to get wrapped up in things like this yeah i mean at one, i feel like everyone at some point was like drawn into like a pyramid scheme at some point i remember in my first year of college i think it was my first it was my first year yeah i was like invited to join this like pyramid scheme and i went to this big ass seminar and they were making this big old powwow and i was like oh cool i can make money off of getting recruits down (laughs) and then i realized i couldn't i wasn't very good at that (laughs) so i just ghosted them but I mean, think about the people that were in it so deeply. The leaders, like it, they breathed that pyramid scheme. Yeah. Like they breathed it. That kind of reminds me of the time when I was like applying for jobs and I went to do this job interview and they like, the way they market it is like, oh, we're in like the top floor of this big ass building and blah, blah, blah. And you just have to do this. You just have to do this. But like you have to like be out and about selling phones basically in order to make your way up and the people at the top were had only been there for six months so it was like you get to the top by having other people replace you at the yeah bottom. and that's insane and, and that's that's an example of using financial security as a way of you know drawing people in because it's like yeah we were young but we weren't desperate to make money like no. we didn't have anything besides rent to pay and you know we were living in the dorms or in but think about like parents that have children at home that they're struggling to make ends meet yeah. and their only tactic of making money is just like getting people to join 
to them that's appealing that's like oh that's fucking easy mm-hmm. you know and it's easy to get wrapped up in that if that's your sense of desperation yeah it is they feed on people who have or like you said are vulnerable mm-hmm. and are in a time and time in their life where they are helpless and can't do anything else this is like a last resort type of thing totally totally they go after the people that are rock bottom and they find it's it's attracts the people that are looking for a safe haven mm-hmm. when they're in a time of distress so moral of the story, kids, um, if you're struggling, please don't join a cult. Please stay away from people that give you outrageous conclusions to your story. Don't listen to people who got all the answers. Listen, life is not easy. Life is not as simple as black and white. Not one person can walk up to you and tell you, I can solve all your problems yes, if not you one person. just do this. Like Life is very complex. And let me tell you. There are hard times, but you will get through them. You have to ride the wave. Yeah, one person does not have all the answers. No. And if someone tells you that they have been listening to God and God has been talking to them, turn around and book it. (laughs) Block their number. Block them from your life. Pick up and move if they know where you live. (laughs) Stay far away from those people. Yes. And this is not like an anti-religious like rant either because religion can be used in a good way but just don't believe one person that tells you they have everything to give you um but yeah so what are you salty about son um i'm just salty about the fact that that poor child was abused and amount of other children that have probably been abused in the in just being part of the remnant fellowship church and it just sucks because these kids were born into it. They yeah. don't have the choice to leave. They don't know anything besides the Remnant Fellowship Church. And I just feel so bad for the amount of like trauma that these children have experienced and the amount of therapy that we're going to have to go through in order to even just feel normal or like to undo all the brainwashing and that these fucking beliefs and these like teachings did to them. It's just, yeah. it's crazy. 100%. I'm salty about the fact that this fucking cult is still up and running till mm-hmm. this day. Like, this very fucking second. Yeah, I know. And I, still I, doing damage in this But world. you know what? I do hope that this documentary, it's gotten a lot of coverage. So I hope that, like, the documentary, like, leads to, um, you know, more investigations towards them. Yeah. With all these people coming forward. I hope, you know, the authorities get involved. Exactly. I hope part two, like, does justice to, like, 100%, yeah. these people. 100%. But, you know, again, before we end, I do want to say if you are having a bad time, don't just know that things will get better, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. A storm will always fade. Sunlight will shine through eventually. (laughs) You just got to be strong, stick it out, you know. And there are people in this world that still love you. Still love you. And will still be there for you at the end of it. You just have to ride the wave. Ride the wave, guys. It'll be okay. You got this. You're strong. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that, thanks for listening to episode 13, guys. Thank you. And I hope you had fun and learned a few things about how to not join cults. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, bye.